Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, folks. We're joined by Ron Fauche, political analyst and publisher of Lunchtime Politics. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Ron, I, I have to honestly say over the last five days, I am <clears throat> growing more and more confused. Let's go to Virginia first. Virginia, the governor there, a Republican, has the majority <clears throat> in the House. They talked about how he was likely going to win majority in the Senate, which he did not have. He loses the House, loses the Senate. What are, what are they reading wrong? Well, actually, uh, not a lot, I have to say. The uh, Virginia has 140 state legislative seats, 100 in the House and 40 in the Senate. So, So what we're talking about here is a lot of, individual races. And, uh, and you know, Governor Youngkin, who was popular in the state and, and a potential presidential candidate at some point, uh, had made it his goal to, to win control of both, both chambers, even though the Republicans only had one chamber. Well, when it was all said and done, the Republicans lost both chambers. So, so he not only didn't win both, uh, uh, he lost the chamber that they had. And, uh, and that's a blow to him. That's a blow to the Republican Party. But, um, but, but a lot of these legislative races are very, very close. And, uh, and, and I think there might have been a little too much exuberance on the part of Republicans that they could win all these swing seats when, when in fact, they were harder than they thought. I, I also think that the, the Democrats... And we, we have to remember, Virginia is not, has become a Democratic state. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to remember that a lot of these districts, uh, the swing districts, have a significant Democratic population. And they have a significant uh, pro-abortion rights population. And the Democrats uh, basically use the abortion issue uh, to, to hold on to, to their majority. And uh, and to and to build a majority in the in the house. So uh, so that's essentially what happened. It's uh, you know it, it's a classic case of don't count your chickens and you know until they hatch. But when when Republicans are up on the economy, they're up on parental rights relative to their kids. The LGBTQ issue 
has favored Republicans. You have an unpopular president. In fact, the vast majority of people believe that he's too old to be president now. The strength of the issue of abortion is one, and no pun intended, that trumps all these other issues? Well, it's, um, I think uh, the, the, the reemergence of the abortion issue uh, as an issue that is, that is directly influencing elections. And in 2022, we saw it directly influencing elections. And we certainly saw it this past week. Uh, is, uh, is something that few uh, political analysts and consultants expected it to be able to do. Even the Democrats uh, were sort of using the abortion issue as kind of a Hail Mary pass in some elections back in 2022, and all of a sudden it caught on. And, and I think what happened was the Supreme Court Dobbs decision and discussions about it thereafter scared a lot of voters uh, into thinking that the Republicans were coming after their right whether it's it was on abortion or birth control or all kinds of other things. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it put the Republicans in a box that they never really fought their way out of. And uh, one of the things that Governor Yunkin was doing, and, uh, and frankly it made a lot of sense, was he was trying to redefine what pro-life means particularly in a, in a, in a pro-choice, blue-leaning state like Virginia. And, and his point was that uh, uh, the Republicans would support a 15-week limit on abortion, and uh, as well as the uh, exceptions for uh, the life of the mother, rape and incest, uh, which, which he and, and many other people in polls certainly show is sort of a, a you know, common ground for a lot of voters, a lot of people uh, who, who maybe are somewhat pro-life, somewhat pro-choice, and as we find in the polls, a lot of people consider themselves both. So, so Yunkin was trying to do that, and, and, you know, he came up with a formula that looked like it might work, but it didn't work. And it didn't work because the Democrats who felt threatened by losing abortion rights uh, were more likely to turn out and vote than Republicans who felt that the battle had already been won at the Supreme Court level. But help me out here. Um, There are about a million abortions a year, right? Right. And And some are revisits, that some females get more than one abortion it could be a second or third or a fourth abortion so when we talk about the actual numbers of people that are impacted by this we have 324 million people in this country 165 million of which are males and 168 million females i mean this is an issue that just cuts across every political economic education issue that's out there. I mean, if I had to prioritize, because in the polls, abortion finishes like what? I think one of the last ones you reported on, I think it finished like fifth or sixth or seventh. 
Exactly. Right? Exactly. And that's why so, I'm, I'm, I'm confused in trying to synthesize all this material because it seems as though, I mean, you, we saw what happened in Ohio. I mean, Ohio, they'd been advocating this 15-week thing. They went, they went all the way to birth and actually right. after birth. Right. I mean, the baby could right. be sitting there on the table, and there can still be a decision to be made as to whether or not they want to allow that child to live or not. <laughs> I mean, and, and then now that's going to be wedded in their constitution. I, I mean, I, I have a real difficult time trying to square the thought process up here. Well, let me tell you what I think it is. And look, you know, it, it, it's frankly, it's everybody, anybody's guess right now. This was not expected. As, uh, as you said, the polling does not show that abortion is, you know, the big determinative issue that's going to elect members of Congress, the legislators, the governors, and the presidents, uh, even though it seems like it's, it's having some of that effect. But, but I think what's happened is abortion maybe, you know, some years ago before the recent Supreme Court decision was about abortion. It was about abortion rights. Uh, but I think what happened in the last year or two is that abortion has become a metaphor for other things. Uh, it's become a metaphor particularly for a woman's right to control her body, a woman's right to control her health care decisions. And, and it's become a metaphor uh, for a lot of voters uh, that, that, that it stands as a right for people to, uh, to control their lives without outside interference. So it's become a bigger, the, the, you know, the, the scope of the issue now is bigger, and the word abortion, abortion rights, uh, is actually a metaphor for other issues as well as it's for that. And has, um, it, has it gotten so big that this is now emblematic of a right for self-determination? Is it that big? I, I, I think it's getting there. I think it's getting there, and uh, and I don't, um, you know. We really don't know where this is going right now. And, and uh, you know, if, if when the Supreme Court, we talked about this on your show at the time. Yeah. If the Supreme Court had simply affirmed the 15-week Mississippi law, you wouldn't have any of this going on right now. Whether, you know, you want it or not, it, it, it likely would have pretty much quieted the issue down for a while. But, um, but, but as it stands now, it's sort of opened this, this whole, uh, uh, you know, Pandora's box of, of, of a lot of fears and concerns about other things. And, and, and I think the Democrats and the liberal community did a very good job scaring the American people about what's next. What will this right-wing Supreme Court do to you in your life? What, what's next? What's coming next? And, and I think the uh, when Justice Thomas talked about in the in the decision about this could affect other things and specifically mentioned, I believe, birth control. And uh, it, it 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 opened it up and made it a wider issue. And um, and and I think that's what we're seeing. And, and anytime something like that happens, 
you know, it, it sort of changes the political dynamic. You know, I remember back in the early 90s, the word deficit, which related to theoretically the, the federal budget deficit, became a metaphor for the entire economy. And when you said, oh, the deficit's rising, that meant to a lot of people not just the, you know, the year-end balance statements for the budget was off. Mm-hmm. It meant that the whole economy wasn't doing well. And it was something that President George, first, the first President Bush didn't understand, uh, something that Ross Perot played on and, and Bill Clinton played on. And it had a, a, an effect in winning the election for, for uh, Clinton. So, you know, so, uh, Ron, I think we're seeing something similar here. Let's, re- let's reverse engineer this for a moment. You, uh, you would agree that there have been Democrats out there that have been very pro-choice, but not willing to go to the extent that Ohio did, and said right. and have and have been very adamant in saying, this is not what we desire. We do not want to go to the end of the third trimester. We do not want to go as um, the baby is coming out of the birth canal. That's not where we want to go. But that's where they went. That's where the the citizens of Ohio went. Now, I'm sure there's going to be legal challenges there. And it's going to be interesting to see where Democrats actually fall out on that issue uh, there. But we're there now, right? So. Yeah, well, we're there in Ohio. Now, one thing I I, I might say about Ohio is the, the ballot language was a mess. And, and if you it read it, 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 it's kind of hard to figure out what they were trying to do here. And, uh, and oftentimes that happens in these ballot referendum elections. And um, so there may be some court rulings about what the, what the you know, federal court rulings about what the, the state constitutional amendment actually said and did. So, you know, we'll put that over on the side. But, um, but I do think uh, – the, the Democrats ultimately, if the Republicans play this right, and we're talking politics here, we're not talking about right. the substance of the issue. I know people, yeah. I have friends on both sides of this issue, and they have very we strong feelings and principles. Right. And that's respected. We're not, we're not talking about that here. We're talking about the politics of it. That, um, that the, the, you know, the Republicans have to figure out how to, to sort of marshal, you know, all of the facts here and use it against the Democrats. So one of the things I think uh, Nikki Haley has been doing very well is how she's talked about abortion. You know, on the one hand, she's saying, look, you, you're not going to have a federal abortion ban uh, because you're never going to get 60 votes in the Senate to do it, which is right. She's 100 percent right about that. And uh and, and and but she also says, uh, I remember uh, one of the reporters were asking her at one of the debates uh, about, well, should it be 15 weeks? Should it be six weeks? Should it be 20 weeks? And she said, you're talking about 15, 26 weeks. She said, well, what about the other side? They, they want to theoretically allow abortions at 34 weeks, you know, 36 weeks. Why don't we talk about that, too? And. And, 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 I, and, and I think that the, um, the, the, the pro-life community uh, has been sort of 
reluctance to, to use political messaging that would be effective for them because it doesn't necessarily square with a pure reading of their principles. And I, and I think that's right. what it gets down to. And uh, now I, I have, you know, I have never really heard uh, a, a clear response from most Democratic candidates on what is in an effect, you know, full duration, you know, for uh, allowable abortions. I know they say, well, it doesn't really happen. There's hardly any abortions that are performed at the very end, and almost all of them are, are because of medical problems and the life of the mother is threatened or the health of the mother and the baby is, has been threatened. So, um, so, so I don't know how ultimately they're going to deal with that. But, but I would suspect between now and the next presidential election, the, those messaging wars are going to have to, to, um, to get squared. You know, I, I had a friend uh, from who lives in, in Virginia sent me a note yesterday and, and, and said, well, you know, I'm glad that the, uh, uh, the abortion issue uh, was, not, um, was not the paramount. You know, I think he was saying, I'm glad these cultural issues were not the paramount issues in the Kentucky governor's race that was won by a Democrat. And in truth, in fact, the Democrat in Kentucky, which is a conservative state, use the issue of his support for abortion rights to get reelected, which is not something you would normally think would happen. And I think that's that's a really big thing there, because normally it was the it was the you know, in a in a conservative state as Kentucky is, it would be the, the pro life Republicans who would use the issue to attack Democrats as being pro abortion. But in this particular case, he used the issue to attack the Republican candidate for supporting an abortion ban without exceptions. And he was able to put the Republican candidate on the defense to the point that at the end of the campaign, uh, Dan Cameron, who was the the pro-life candidate in the race, actually altered his position and said, well, I would sign a bill that would have rape and incest as as exceptions. And uh, and when when you can do that to an opponent in a political campaign, as you well know, where they start changing their positions at the very end, uh, then you know you've got them on the issue, and and I think that's what happened in this case. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, because obviously, um, if you look at this blueprint, if you're a Democrat. In 2024, you make sure that there's some type of resolution, bill, constitutional amendment, whatever you want to call it, on the ballot about abortion. Because it it seems as though that that creates a huge turnout and, and, and excitement in the Democratic Party, one that the Republicans will never be able to match. And I and, well, and, and, right. and listening to what you say right now, it's almost as if there's not a message that they can come up with that's going to combat that. Um, well, it, well, it's 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 difficult, but you know, in 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 these issue advocacy movements, you know, if you believe in your issue, you have to either keep pressing and it can convince people that you're right, 
or you have to start changing the policies that you're proposing. And so they, they all have to make decisions there. Well, one thing I would say about Louisiana that I think is interesting is Louisiana, by most measures, is one of the most pro-life states in the country. But even Louisiana uh, could very well pass. Uh, I'm not saying they could pass the Ohio Amendment. I actually don't think that would pass either. But they could pass a state constitutional amendment with voter approval that would um, that would expand abortion rights in the state. That doesn't mean you know going to abortions at any time, you know, uh, up until birth or any of that. But but the polling we did uh, before the governor's election showed that 50 percent of the of the state's electorate uh, were not happy with the current abortion ban in the state and would favor loosening it up. And uh, and that means there's a chance it could even pass in a state like Louisiana. Now, it, 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 you know, you wouldn't be able to pass as liberal of a proposal here as you could even in other conservative states. You know, uh, one of the reasons why they used abortion as a big issue in Kentucky for the Democrats was that there was a, a, a referendum in Kentucky, you know, uh, recently where the, the pro-life community was able to, to, uh, to pass language uh, in support of, of some abortion rights. So they figured, well, you know, we can do it. And, uh, and, and so they were able to take an issue that Republicans generally use against Democrats in conservative areas and uh, and and put them on the defensive on their own issues, and uh, it was it's very artfully done, I have to say, politically. And uh, yeah. and the Republicans are going to have to wake up and figure out how to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the I I'm a big states' rights person, so I like the fact that the states can decide for themselves where they want to be. It makes it a lot harder, I think, in many cases strategically, especially when you come down to some of these national races, uh, if those that item ends up on the ballot in all of these states, right? And it's right. going to be interesting to see what kind of strategy they can develop around it. I don't, right. I, for one, I don't really believe there is one. but uh, no, There may not be. For the time being, you know, for, you know, for at least in this span of time. Now, what changes between now and 2024? I suspect not a lot um, because you can't be as upside down as Joe Biden is on all of these issues. And 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 you just bulldoze o- over all of those problems with with abortion. It, it, uh, I mean, still ultimately, kind of, I agree to that, you know, but um but I, uh, but as it stands now, the Republicans have work to do on that. <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of work. They you know, they've had they've had trouble just, picking a speaker. <laughs> well, well yeah, <laughs> and I mean, it's not just you know giving voters what they want; it's energizing voters to turn out and vote. Vote, and yeah, uh, absolutely. you know, so we'll see. Yeah. All righty. Ron, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Always appreciate your time and your insight. Have a great weekend. Thank you. That's Ron Fauché, political analyst and publisher of Lunchtime Politics. Love to hear from you. 504-260-1870. 
one of the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.